is On Point with David Peck. Good evening and welcome to On Point. And I am David Peck and I am thrilled to have you. I'm so glad you're spending a little bit of time with us here this evening on a Friday night, a beautiful Friday night, stepping into the weekend. Maybe you're heading up north. Take it easy if you're on the roads. Maybe you're in the the backyard sipping on a drink and waiting for a dinner to be served. You know, take it easy there too is probably good advice as well. We have so many great guests here uh, with us tonight, but I want to start out with a quote by Galileo. Quote, it is a beautiful and delightful sight to behold the body of the moon, close quote. We just heard on the news about the supermoon last night. I was out with my wife, Elizabeth, walking the dog, Sasha. We saw the moon in all its uh, uh, brilliance and its glory, and it was a beautiful, clear night, and it continues to to stun and amaze. And we have uh, really a very special guest here with us tonight. I can hardly believe it. Chris Hadfield is here with us. He's a retired, I don't even know if I need to tell you who this is. He's a retired Canadian Space Agency astronaut. He's an engineer, science communicator, a singer, and former fighter pilot, and the author of The Apollo Murders. Chris, thank you so much for joining us here tonight on the show. My my pleasure, David, and I hope you get a chance in this beautiful evening to walk Sasha the dog also. Thanks, Chris. Chris, you know, you you must have a lot of business cards. <laughs> I don't have any business cards yeah. at well, all. Yeah. Astronaut, <laughs> engineer, commu- science community. Oh, yeah, right. Singer, right. You play the guitar. And this is the best. I would love to see the business card of the former fighter or of the fighter pilot. That's. I feel like I should be referring to you as commander and not Chris, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's quite the CV. Thanks for t- for joining us tonight. It's my pleasure, and yeah, uh, uh, a busy life is an interesting life. So uh, I try and do a lot of different things. Our band just played down in Texas uh, last weekend at Galveston to a sold out thousand person house, which. I help run several space companies as well. So I think you need to use fine print on the on a business card, I guess. <laughs> I would think so. There's a lot of footnotes on your business card. That's what I'm I'm I'm, I'm yeah. imagining. So so are you just are you just, you know, GK Chesterton said there's there's no such thing as an un- uninteresting subject, only disinterested people. And are you one of those people, Chris? I mean, you would think after retiring from the Canadian Space Agency, you'd kind of go, maybe I could grow some vegetables in the garden, <laughs> you know? Like you, yeah. you've, you, you've just, you've really you rolled, were you born with your sleeves rolled up? I'm interested to hear that quote because I, I've said for a lot of years, there are no boring things, just boring people. And, and, uh, and, and it's totally up to you whether you want to be bored or interested. And the world is, and, and beyond, it's a fascinating, complicated, ever-changing, ancient place. And mm. um, if you choose to not notice any of that, uh, you know, that's your own choice, but don't blame the world for being boring. <laughs> that's not the problem. So, no, I, I mean, I, uh, I'm, I'm constantly curious about things. How does stuff do- work? Why do people behave the way they do? What's going to happen next? What are the biggest problems facing us? Um, what, what can I hope to accomplish in, in my lifetime? You know, th- to me, th- those are really fundamental questions you should have in your head every day. And and you should try and go to bed every day with slightly closer to the answer. Yeah, that's, some of them, I hope. 
hopefully a little a little closer well we're hearing a lot about you know just asking better questions you know we've we've talked about that over the last couple of shows about for corporate leaders and and for you know for for scientists and for teachers and so on and to get you know, to get you a little closer you got to peel back the layer and hopefully ask a a penetrating question were you were you raised in that way chris is it was this nature nurture a little bit of both um i was raised on a farm and so I learned a couple really important things on the form. One is uh, the pleasure of work, like getting mm. something done, plowing a field, accomplishing something. You know, work doesn't just have to be a drudge or, or just a, a passport to, uh, to pleasure, but work itself can give great satisfaction and, um, and, and a feeling of, of worth and accomplishment as well as your income. And you can choose to hate what you're doing, or you can choose to love what you're doing. And that both of those are, are essentially choices. And so I learned that growing up. The other big piece was, um, was don't just be curious about things. Don't just ask a question, but find out the answer and then make the answer part of who you are. And so we didn't have the internet when I was a kid, but we had Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> And remember those. if one of us had a question at the dinner table, then whoever asked the question would go over to the big, we bought it at the, at the, you know, one of those people like encyclopedia salesman at the, at the exhibition, but um, they would go to the encyclopedia, pull out the appropriate volume, bring it to the table. And it was sort of like, uh, you know, Siri of the day and right. answer the question. And then everyone would know the answer to that question. And then, then you just sort of build your life, not on ignorance or, belief, but actually build your life on facts and how things truly are. And I, I think that was really important as well in, um, in the foundations of the things that I've done since then. So, so knowledge almost was, was the end and the means in a sense. It was, it was part of the journey. It was part of the pursuit because it would probably, I mean, I remember encyclopedias, they were fascinating things. They just, you know, well, one page led to the next. How's that for saying something trite? But it was really true. Everything was connected. Does that make sense, Chris? The knowledge leads to hopefully more understanding? You know, internal combustion engines and rocket ships don't work based on belief or hope or ignorance. Uh, now it looks like we've got an unstable internet. Hopefully it'll come back strong here in a minute. Uh, are you hearing me anybody oh, I'm, now? I'm, I apologize. I'm hearing you. Yeah. The, the beauty of that is I love the irony. You've been to the moon several, you know, and back, <laughs> you know, piloted fighter jets, written songs with the bare naked ladies, and we just can't even get a stable internet connection. I mean, what's going on, Chris? Oh, uh, well, it, it's the way it is. Uh, got both Bell and Starlink at my cottage here, so hopefully it'll, it'll work well enough. But anyway, um, uh, knowledge and, and fact that's what makes things happen, not not hope and belief. And and so, uh, you know, if you want to make an engine or fly in space or fly an airplane or 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 play a guitar, then um, that that only works if the the underlying technology works. And and so uh, that you know that's why I became an engineer and why I served the country for gosh thirty five years in the military and in the space agency. Um, trying to do the things that I think are important and to help push back the edges of that technology and science as far as I could so that, uh, you know, it would open the doors even further for the people that are, that are coming after me. 
And for those of you who don't know, uh, Chris is uh, also a writer. And here's this. How's this from Andy Weir? Quote, an exceptional debut thriller, an exciting journey into the dark heart of the Cold War and the space race from New York Times bestseller, author and astronaut, Chris Hadfield. Close quote. That's Andy Weir. He's the author of The Martian. So, so had you had this idea for the Apollo murders for a long time, Chris? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've written, it seems crazy, but I've written four like best-selling books. But I, I wanted to write fiction because right. what a fun challenge and what a way to tell a story, right? Uh, people really learn best when they're being told a story. And if you can weave a whole bunch of interesting history and fact, but but then find a plot that gets in there and, and makes for a really memorable story, then uh, all sorts of people are going to find out and learn a lot of things that otherwise they never would. And I've had such rare and unique experiences as one of Canada's astronauts. I thought it would be a real fun personal challenge. And the Apollo murders, which I'm shamelessly holding up, if you can see my video, um, is, uh, gosh, it's it's already in 15 languages. It's up for two wow. international writing awards. And it's being made into an eight-part television series. Wow. Uh, and, uh, and I'm writing the Congratulations. Uh, next I'm writing the next book in the series, or I'm, I'm supposed to be writing the next book in the series right now. So, uh, so yeah, I'm really pleased to be able to share sort of the magnificence of the experiences I've had of, as one of Canada's astronauts in as many ways as I can think of, including now um, writing fiction. Yeah, that's remarkable. It's just, well, it's another business card really for the collection, isn't it, Chris? <laughs> well, it's just, you know, it's amazing. You know, who, it's remarkable. I think it was a science fiction author who said, um, specialization is for insects. We're people, you know, we can do a lot of different things. We I can do it. Yeah. Heinlein said that. So it's, you know, don't, don't just stick with one thing, you know, uh, flex or, those muscles. Yeah. Why not learn new yeah. stuff? Well, that's remarkable. I love your passion and the creativity and the energy. It seems that you bring to absolutely everything. Can you talk in the? We only have a few more minutes, which just seems outrageous to me. But it, uh, you know, we're going to take what we can get. And so the quote, the the headline: "One more clue to the moon, the moon's origin." Uh, we're talking about inherited indigenous noble gases from the Earth's mantle. Really, not sure what any of that means, Chris. Can you give us a little bit of perspective on why this new discovery is important uh, and and where it might take us? Here, here's the amazing part: uh, there are meteorites always crashing to Earth. In fact, tonight we have a meteorite shower. But um, some of them come from asteroids, but some of them come from the Moon, where an asteroid smucks into the Moon and knocks pieces of the Moon, and they float through space and crashed to earth. And we picked up like a half dozen of them down in Antarctica off the ice, little pieces of the moon, of the sort of the inner basalt, the, the heavy um, like lava stuff from the moon. And what's amazing, when we look at those pieces of the moon that we picked up in Antarctica, when you really detailed look in them, they have tiny bubbles in them, tiny little bubbles of gases called noble gases like neon and uh, helium, gases that are colorless and odorless and transparent, but that could not have come from uh, some of the other ideas of where the moon came from. The only way that they could have gotten there is if the moon was essentially the daughter of the earth. If there had been a, a cataclysmic impact billions of years ago that tore sections of the earth out and then cooled into the moon that we see today in the sky. And it's just so poetic that it wasn't until 
another rock crashed into the moon and knocked those pieces to the earth that we could find this little piece of evidence, a, uh, a doctoral student named Patricia, um, Patricia Will, who's been studying those rocks. Pretty, pretty amazing. But to look up at the moon tonight and think that was torn from Mother Earth uh, before history began, and, and it's been orbiting us ever since. It's kind of a, both a terrifying thought and an Chris, without a doubt, it's it is a, a, a terrifying thought and a, and a wonderful thought all all at the same time. And this idea of being the daughter of the earth, I'm not sure if we, Chris, do we still have you? Yes, I'm here. Fine. Oh, fantastic! Yeah. So, well, sadly, we've got to wrap it up. But what I love about all of this is, and it sounds to me like as a kid, you were, you were, you were. Not only were you born with your sleeves rolled up, but but you were given the sense of um, oh, I'm going to say creative desire towards understanding, and 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 everything for you was mystery, and it wasn't just about the curiosity, but it was getting uh, you know to the next level as well. And and what a what a what a challenge, and what a beautiful affirmation for me and for our listeners, Chris. I got to say, thank you so much for your time tonight, chatting with us uh, uh, about a whole lot of things, and I look forward to having you back on the show someday in the not so distant future uh we've been chatting with chris hadfield he's a retired canadian space agency astronaut he's an engineer science communicator singer and former fighter pilot and check the book out at your local bookstore or on amazon author of the apollo murders chris have yourself a wonderful weekend thank you very much david a pleasure to speak with you my name's david peck and you're listening to on point